0: Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, and I'm an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Waste Less Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. Follow the link in the description to pre-order a copy of the book so you'll be the first to receive it on the date of September 1st, 2022. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. Happy new year, outdoor minimalist listeners. It's crazy to me that first of all, it's 2022. And second of all that the podcast has been around for 3 months now. So, thank you to all of the loyal listeners. I've had many, many listeners that have been here since day 1, since the day of the launch back in October, which is amazing. And to my pleasant surprise, that I get new listeners every single week. And with all of this growth and these changes, I've decided that the Outdoor Minimalist podcast is going to have a Patreon. So this last week, over the holiday break and everything, I created an Outdoor Minimalist specific website. It used to be on my writing portfolio website, which there will still be a page on there, but now I have a website dedicated only to the Outdoor Minimalist podcast book and general lifestyle. I'll link that in the show notes. But on that website, you'll notice that there is a link to Patreon. So technically, the Patreon is already available, but you're not gonna find any content in there yet. So today is kind of the announcement day, and next month is when patrons will begin to receive added value that each tier will offer. So I'm going to be offering two tiers to start, and this may change over time as I learn more about my patrons and what they want me to offer and kind of the value that they're specifically looking for. But to start, the first tier is $5 per month, people that want to support the Outdoor Minimalist mission, but also have enjoyed the bonus episodes that I have been doing over the last two months. So now the bonus episodes, going forward, are going to be moved to Patreon only. So if you're in either one of the tiers, you will have access to the bonus episodes, but I will not be removing... Bonus episodes that I've already released, those will stay accessible to everyone. And then the second tier is $10 a month. So, like I said, you'll also receive the bonus episodes, but you will also have access to early releases of my episodes because I tend to batch them, so four or five at a time. And you'll also get a patron-only Q&A episode as enough questions roll in. And how that will work is patrons can submit their questions to me, and once I have enough questions that I think could fill a full-length episode length, so anywhere to 30 to 45 minutes, then I will release a... Q&A episode on the Patreon. I'm thinking of a few other ideas here or there, and within this like build-up launch month, I will be asking people questions to see if there's specific things in the Patreon that you're looking for. I'm looking forward to learning more about this process and for all of you to continue to grow this community together. With all of that, it's episode 17, and in this episode, we're going to talk about a topic that I think is applicable to everyone. Whether or not you experience a menstrual cycle. The focus will be on pee rags, menstrual cups, and more in the backcountry. Topics regarding hygiene, peeing, and menstrual cups in general, I think, are really, really important to understand and have some knowledge of, even if you're not the one experiencing them yourself. It could be, I don't know, you're a dad and you want to be there for your daughter while you're backpacking, maybe you're a scout leader in a mixed-gendered group, or you work in the outdoor industry and you simply want to be more inclusive of your understanding of everyone's outdoor experiences. Even having a better understanding of your partner when you're out in the woods can go a long way in your relationship dynamics during that trip. So all of that to say, this episode is for everyone, not just assigned-at-birth females. Now, I'm an advocate for reusables in all aspects of your life, but in the backcountry, reusable menstrual cups can be an interesting topic that is uncomfortable for some individuals to discuss openly. To help me reframe the conversation and give all people more confidence when talking about all things menses, I'd like to introduce Angie Marie. Angie Marie is your hormone hype gal and hiking partner with the best snacks. As a fertility awareness educator with an adventurous edge, she helps athletic and outdoorsy people interpret their bodies and use the menstrual cycle to feel strong and confident as they get after their goals. Angie teaches people to harness their natural physiology to boost performance and strengthen the mind-body connection through courses at thehormonehacker.com. So thank you so much for joining me today, Angie. I'm thrilled to have you and to discuss these topics that sometimes people might think are taboo. But <laughs> I already know that I'm going to learn so much, but before we get right into things. Can you just give us more about your background, your love for outdoor recreation, and a little bit about your
1: work? Thank you, Meg. My name is Angie Marie, and I am a fertility awareness educator. My business is called The Hormone Hacker, but my true love is being outside, and so I have found a way to kind of mesh those passions of menstrual health and the outdoors. I actually started off my career in the outdoors as a river guide in Moab, Utah, and since then I've dabbled in a handful of other outdoor recreation jobs. And I've done a lot of work with the Girl Scouts, getting youth outdoors and feeling confident and competent. So I have, you know, my little um, resume of outdoor certifications, but I just really wanted to find a way to weave in my passion for menstrual health as well. So that is why I am the one to talk about periods and peeing in the outdoors. And I could probably chat all day. So hopefully we can have a good conversation.
0: I really like that you're kind of combining those two topics because in my experience outdoors and some girlfriends of mine have also kind of touched on this is depending on the group you're with especially if it's a mixed gendered group that type of knowledge isn't really mainstream and when you bring it up there can be a lot of like stigma or even to the level of disgust about the conversation so hearing you wanting to combine those things is really cool and especially with a group like Girl Scouts and stuff like that do you do that work with them or how does that work?
1: I haven't actually done any menstrual education with Girl Scouts Uh, definitely peeing in the outdoors and pooping in the outdoors has come up a lot Mm -hmm. with them and it's really interesting to see how different demographics and different regions in the country even will have different reactions to the idea of peeing in the woods and some groups of Girl Scouts are more interested in pee funnels and others don't see the need for pee funnels so definitely it just proves that it's a very individual topic with many individual decisions but the more you know about your options the better.
0: Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I was excited to connect with you because even as someone, I feel like I've done outdoor recreation my whole life. And I'm just kind of now in my late 20s, just learning about all of the options. So having that representation early on would have been really nice.
1: What's wild to me is that 50% of the world has periods at some point in their life. And the menstrual cycle is the entire reason that the human population exists in the entire world. So the more that we can talk about it and normalize it and feel more comfortable talking about things like periods and menstrual cycles and peeing in the woods, then the better because it's truly the reason why life is here. And we should respect that.
0: I'd be interested to hear your perspective on how you frame those conversations. Surrounding even peeing outside and menstruating for people with vulvas because it's not always a comfortable conversation.
1: Totally. And I think it definitely depends on the environment because based on where you are, then your method method of urinating is going to look different. And I've I've found in my work that the best thing you can do is be a good role model and to kind of explain the environmental implications of whatever the peeing method is. So when I was a river guide in that river section in the southwest of the U.S., It was about uh, the solution to pollution is dilution. So you would pee in the river. And when you tell people like, hey, when we're on the raft today and you need to go to the bathroom, the river is your bathroom. A lot of people, you know, they'll double take and feel uncomfortable because you're asking me to pee outside in the open. And I noticed that, you know, that nobody would do it. And then I would have to pee. I would pee in the river. No big deal. Be a good role model about it. It's totally normal. You don't have to be like, hey, everybody, I'm peeing. They would see their guide doing it and suddenly feel more comfortable. So if if you as a leader, whether you're the actual leader of a group or you're just a more experienced person in your outdoors group, if you can just show people, hey, it's no big deal, I'm peeing, whether it's in the river or if you have to poop and dig a cat hole, if you just act nonchalantly about it, they'll feel more at home doing it as well.
0: Yeah, I like that approach. It makes a lot of sense in that group setting to do that sort of thing but what about if you're like with, if you're with a partner, could be a romantic partner or maybe it's just uh, like a friend and it's someone that wouldn't have to take their backpack off. Like if you're backpacking or something, they wouldn't have to stop and you don't really want to slow the group down. How would you approach that conversation?
1: Yeah, I think it totally depends on your relationship. Something I do when I'm with like children is we come up with a code word for anytime you need a break. So whether you're too tired, or you need to pee, whatever it is, they come up with a word, they'll say something like potato or penguin or whatever and stop. So you know, depending on your relationship, maybe you have a code word with your hiking partner or your outdoors partner. And if you say that word, it means they can keep on hiking, wait for you in five minutes, and you'll catch up. For me, I've always kind of surrounded myself with people who don't really mind that. And I think most people would be surprised to find that most people don't mind the fact that you have to pee or poop in the woods or or deal with a period situation. Most people who enjoy outdoor activities are used to being into nature in some in nature in some extent, and they will totally respect the fact that your body is a natural body that has to do natural things like the animals around you and the outdoors. So I think if you're squeamish about things or just feel uncomfortable, maybe you're with a new partner, I would just maybe use some softer language like, hey, I just need a few moments of privacy. Can you wait up for me a quarter mile ahead on the trail? Um, And eventually you'll find, or I have found at least, that every person who's experienced in the outdoors has some sort of mishap story about pee or poop or periods. And if you spend enough time outdoors, sooner or later, you are going to have one of those awkward stories about bodily functions in the outdoors. And that's just part of it. That is human life and that is nature. And uh, eventually you might get to a point where you can share those stories around a campfire and everyone will laugh along with you. But in the meantime, think about a code word. Think about ways to soften your language so that you can feel more comfortable speaking your needs when you have them pop up.
0: I love that. Yeah, kind of opening the conversation and easing into it. And then you can kind of find out where each person is comfortable on that realm. But I definitely agree. I have so many stories about that, but that's a different
1: time.
0: (laughs) That could be a whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could. It really could. Since we are kind of talking mostly about urination right now, I do kind of want to touch on different options for people because I personally am comfortable squatting and I use a P-rag or if I'm just on a day hike or something, I won't wipe at all. So kind of talking about pros and cons to different types of methods. I don't really know how else to phrase that. So methods.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the end goal, if you're peeing in the backcountry, the end goal is to get dry and then keep on moving, keep on hiking, whatever you're doing. So it's really individual. Some people don't need to wipe. They'll just shake some people don't like the potential of maybe getting a drop of urine on your clothing so they'd rather wipe. And if you do decide to wipe, there's, uh, there are different options depending on your comfort level. Some people are all about the bandana. You have a pee bandana that you keep tied to the outside of your backpack or some sort of piece of cloth, and that's totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But there is a really cool product on the market that's low-waste and really comfortable and beautiful called the Kula Cloth, if you've ever used that. And they're sort of a fun step up from just using, like, a pea bandana. So a Kula cloth is a square piece of fabric and it's specifically designed to give you like a really good pee wiping experience when you're outdoors. It's beautiful. There's like, um, it's designed by artists, different, different designs on them. It snaps onto your backpack and can snap clothes. So it's still easily accessible, but keeping itself clean. There's the waterproof side to keep your hands clean and it has the absorbent antimicrobial side for the wiping. And then there's even like a reflective thread in it so you can find it at night when you flash your headlamp looking around your campsite for it. So it's just like a a nice basically wiping device that you can use all day if you're on a day trip. You can rinse it at night, hang it to dry overnight, can leave it in the sun since UV rays from the sun actually do a really good job of sterilizing fabric like that. So if you are nervous about peeing in the backcountry and you want something that's comfortable and beautiful and won't just, you know, scream pee rag, then a Kula cloth is a really good company to look at.
0: I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check them out. But they do have some really beautiful designs. So yeah, it doesn't really look anything like a P-rag to me. It's just kind of like really pretty and it works really well.
1: Yeah, and I love the fact that you know we're so used. A lot of people who have to squat while peeing, they're so used to having to hide that and you know don't let anyone see me. But I kind of like the fact that we can reclaim our power as people who just have to pee, and while we're doing what we love, I think it's great to have sort of like this is my beautiful item that I use to wipe myself, and I don't have any shame around that. Yeah,
0: that is a really cool perspective. I haven't thought of it in that way, but that's really true. I. Can think back to especially when I was younger going into the backcountry, I would have those thoughts of like, oh, I should try to hide this or be sneaky about it or something. But now, yeah, like reclaiming that is really powerful. Since we are talking about wiping and things like that, what about general hygiene on the trail? Because I know a lot of individuals sometimes struggle with UTIs or even some types of infections and stuff like that. Even on short trips, like I've heard of people getting UTIs, not just on through hikes. So what are your general tips for hygiene on the trail, not just strictly for periods?
1: my number one priority for myself and again this could be different person to person but i just need to make sure that i have clean dry panties available they don't weigh that much so if i need to take a few extra pairs of underwear to last me the week then I'm willing to carry those extra ounces on my back just to know that I have dry underwear. I just remember when I was a river guide I was constantly in the river because it was a hot environment easy to cool off in the water and I just didn't like that feeling of always having wet bottoms so having like a sarong or something like that would have helped me a lot back then it took some trial and error to figure out how to stay comfortable. But for sure, having clean, dry panties is a huge plus for me now. As for other hygiene, like less of what I'm wearing, I love to just have a little tiny pack and I I just have like a little reusable bag that I can keep my hand sanitizer in, a little bottle that I can refill once it gets empty because I do really love the lower waist options. I like to have a washcloth available so that at night if I'm not able to shower or bathe I can wipe myself down in the places where I feel dirtiest because you do collect a lot of you know sweat and dirt and it can feel even just wiping down certain parts of your body it can feel like you've had a nice shower before you crawl into your tent. So yeah I would suggest having just a little easily accessible waterproof bag with those little comforts that you need.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I bring a really similar thing. I call it my poop pouch because I bring it to dig cat holes and stuff too, but I put all that stuff kind of in there with my, any hygiene products as well as like a rag, like you're saying to wipe down and stuff. Because every day I would say I also change my underwear in the backcountry because it is really, it is a game changer because you're, I'm honestly, I usually don't change my outside clothes, but changing your bottom underwears, it is very refreshing. (laughs) And it also just makes you feel clean and like kind of like ready to go. So like when I'm getting ready in the morning, Mm -hmm. I'll kind of just go through that little hygiene process or at night, kind of depending on the weather. Yeah.
1: And it's great too, because you can think about what keeps you most comfortable at home. And there's usually some way that you can modify that for when you're out, you know, backpacking or camping or whatever. Like some people swear by bidets. I don't have a bidet myself, but I have tried them and I'm like, wow, someday dream home. But they actually, you can get a little squeeze bottle that can be used as a backcountry bidet they're small and lightweight and then you don't need and you won't necessarily need a pee rag or a cool cloth you might just be team bidet and use that high pressure squeeze bottle for that you know and then other people like the pee funnels those I would definitely recommend trying out in your shower first practice them until you can make sure that you have a seal that won't leak. They even have pants now that are designed for people with vulvas that like the fly opens all the way around so that you can just squat and pee without taking off your pants. If you can think about something that would make you more comfortable, check to see if it exists. It very well might exist and if it doesn't exist yet you might have a really great business idea that half the population would be interested in.
0: Yeah, my mind is blown. I hadn't heard about those pants or that little travel bidet, so I'm going to have to check that stuff out. Since we're kind of talking about products in general, um, this would be a good time to kind of like switch into the menstrual space. So talking about different types of period products that might be available and maybe some pros and cons and how people, since it is such an individual choice how people can really find the one that works best for them
1: awesome i have many thoughts about this so just try and interrupt me at any point if i'm going too fast (laughs) so i think when it comes to being a menstruator in the outdoors You have to think about this during like the plan ahead and prepare, leave no trace principle. I think we really need to normalize the idea that many of us have periods when we're outside. And that's something that needs to be supported by guides. If you're on a guided trip, they should plan for and accommodate the potential that people might be on their periods. It should be in packing lists orientation materials, if companies, guiding companies could just add a section about what happens if I get my period while on this trip, it would ease a lot of anxiety for people for whom that's a possibility. So the way that I see outdoor periods being minimalist is to find a system that works for you and sticking to that and just finessing it over time. So your system with having your period in the outdoors might be different than others, but it's a system you've dialed down and you've practiced so that you're not wasting whatever supplies you've decided on. So I would basically recommend four different steps to creating your backcountry period setup. And the first is to learn your options. Like you said there are pros and cons to all your period management options in the outdoors and I can talk about those. And then I can talk about organizing your kit so that you're taking your supplies with you in a convenient and comfortable way. You can talk about practicing your method and then being a steward in the environment no matter which method you choose. So the first step when it comes to being uh, an outdoor menstruator is to learn your options. There are plenty of options for collecting period blood and disposing your menstrual fluid. And depending on your personal preference, it might look different. I am personally team menstrual cup. I have been team menstrual cup now for uh, probably seven plus years. And I actually discovered it when I was a river guide, and I was looking for an easier, lower waist option to have my period in the backcountry. The menstrual cup definitely takes a little bit of practice. Uh, you might, again, practice inserting it and taking it out in the shower before you take it out on a backpacking trip just so that you can make sure you're comfortable. A cup I like better than tampons because they're more affordable over time. They're more comfortable. I don't chafe with a period cup. And they're easier to clean once you practice because you don't have to dispose of them in the way that you dispose of tampons. They also take up less space, less weight. So if, you ha- if you're if you a little bit resistant to trying a cup, maybe just give it a shot. You can find maybe a cheap option to start with. I know some people are brand loyal. I have personally found that I can get away with a cheaper silicone cup. I don't need the most expensive brand name on the market. If you're stuck on where to start with a cup, I would recommend the web, the website putacupinit.com, and it can help walk you through the um, purchasing options so that you can find one that works for you and your cervix and vagina.
0: I had one question about the the menstrual cups in choosing the right one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really good resource that you shared, but is it really kind of up to the person, trial and error-wise, like finding the right one that won't leak, that fits comfortably? or are there other places people can go to to kind of get recommendations for their shape and flow?
1: So if you have an OBGYN or you go to a naturopath, some healthcare provider who is qualified and say giving you a pap smear or just looking at your cervix, they're a great resource to ask because they can see whether your uterus is tilted. They can see you know, whether you've given, they know whether or not you've given birth before, which might change what type of cup is good for you. So definitely talking to your healthcare provider and saying, hey, I'm interested in trying a menstrual cup you have a recommendation based on my body? They would be an excellent first step. Something that I learned years into using a cup is that 25% of of people with uteruses actually have a tilted uterus or a retroflexed or retroverted uterus. And they might find just based on the way that the cup lies against a tilted uterus, it might leak more. And a hack for that is to actually turn your menstrual cup inside out, and that will change the suction around your cervix and prevent leaks that way. And that actually works for me. That was a game changer. So if you're like me and one of the 25% of people with tilted (laughs) uteruses. Try turning your cup inside out and that might be the only change you need. You might not even need a new cup. There are different materials of cups. You have rubber cups, you have silicone cups. So really it does take a little bit of trial and error but I think you can cut down on the trial and error by talking with your healthcare provider first and going to that website putacupinit.com. Yeah I know
0: that's really all great information and I didn't know that about flipping it inside out because I also have a tilted uterus so it's I I've always struggled finding the right menstrual cup. So I'm interested to try that.
1: Oh, please let me know if it works for you. I swear, I was like, (laughs) how come I never leak ever anymore? I wish I had known this.
0: (laughs) That kind of ties into the hygiene a lot. So if you want to explain how to hygienically empty your cup and keeping it clean in the backcountry, that would be awesome.
1: So if you use a menstrual cup, it can often be left alone and do its job for up to 12 hours, uh, which is great. But when it is time to empty your cup and you're in the backcountry – First of all, if you're in an area with some sort of toilet or trash receptacle, then dumping the menstrual fluid in there is the way to go. But if you're away from facilities like you often are in the outdoors, and the area that you're that you're in allows cat holes like you would poop in, then menstrual fluid can go into the cat hole. So if you don't know how to dig a cat hole, look up some YouTube videos, but you're essentially digging at least six inches into the ground, ensuring that you're at least 200 feet away from any sources of water, any trails or campsites, and then you can dump your menstrual fluid into that cat hole before burying it back with the dirt. I know cleaning your cup while in the backcountry can sound intimidating, but it's really not as bad as it sounds. And if you are uncomfortable with that idea, they actually make small portable cleaners, like little containers that you can soak the cup in and shake it around to clean it. So, you know, you can do a Google search for a silicone menstrual cup sterilizer or like camping cup cleaner. (laughs) They'll pop up, do some investigating online. But these little containers are collapsible and lightweight and they make it really easy to rinse your cup for minimal weight and minimal water usage. If you don't have a special little cleaning container like that, you can rinse your cup between insertions with a little little bit of biodegradable soap And water. If you have a silicone cup, boiling water your first is ideal, but some rubber cups should use just hot water instead of boiling. So know what type of cup you have and look at the instructions it comes with. But honestly, you should just you should be fine just using cool water over the course of a few days, even if you don't have a lot of extra soap to spare. I've never had a problem just rinsing with clean cool water and when I'm out backpacking. It can be nice to bring a little mini squeeze bottle of soap in your kit though. Making sure that you're keeping it clean by not rinsing it in lakes or rivers. I mean, one, you don't want to pick up any germs like giardia, but two, you don't want to pollute any drinking water either. So having a separate vessel of water, separate cat hole, again making sure you're 200 feet or more away from water trails, campsites. If you choose to use tampons, then an applicator free tampon is the lowest waste option and it will save you space.
0: I have also heard that certain types of tampons will sometimes have chemicals and stuff in them, so looking for the organic cotton ones might be a better option as far as health goes. Absolutely.
1: Especially if you are prone to UTIs or yeast infections, a lot of times the chemicals that make scented tampons can irritate you there. So I would definitely always go for unscented organic cotton would be the healthiest choice. And of course tampons aren't zero waste but cutting down on your waste by having an applicator free option is really good and they also make a reusable applicator now the company syncs has a lightweight portable backcountry friendly model that you can use as a reusable applicator and not have to buy plastic applicators since those turn up a lot in the environment as pollution if you are um, using tampons then uh, you're going to need, we'll talk about this in a period kit, but you'll need to dispose of those tampons in the trash. You cannot bury them. You can't throw them in toilet. But when you keep them in a trash baggie, you can use tea bags or baking soda crushed aspirin, or coffee grounds in the bag to mask any odor. So tampons are still an option for you, as are period panties. And period panties are underwear that are designed to absorb multiple tampons or pads worth of blood. You can do a Google search for these, but there's a couple brands like Thinx and NYXWare. If you use period panties at home, then you would just need to give them a quick rinse in the sink before putting them in with the rest of your dirty laundry. But in the back country, if you're only out there for a couple of days, you might just bring a small baggie to keep your used pears in until you get home and can clean them at home. If you're out on a longer backcountry trip, then I suggest bringing a little dry bag to use as a washing machine, like a makeshift washing machine. You can be, you can rinse and wash your period panties that are used in the dry bag, and then have them dry in the sun uh, with the UV rays to help clean or uh, sterilize it. Dumping that used wastewater into a cat hole as well. So this is where having two pairs really comes in. So while one pair of period panties is drying, you can be wearing the other and then swap off um, up until your trip is over. There are tons of different styles of period panties these days. So whether you like um, more boy short style or more bikini style, you can likely find a pair that's comfortable to you.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes, this is what I've heard people do, I haven't done this personally, is having the pair of period panties is good, especially if you're new to menstrual cups in case it does leak or something like that, and you're in the backcountry, then it's not leaking through your underwear and your pants when you only have one pair of pants, and so I like it as a backup kind of as well.
1: Yes, it's so good, especially I prefer to use kind of like a backup option at night just in case, you know, I sleep long or, you know, I like to go to bed at (laughs) 8 <laughs> when I'm in the backcountry. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you're, you know, Me if you're going to be in your tent for a while and you're afraid of leakage. For sure, having period panties and a cup and a tamp or a tampon is great. And I actually really love reusable pads. So a lot of people don't even know that this is an option, but they have cloth pads that are washable, super easy to use. They're the same idea as period panties, but they just snap onto your underwear instead of being its own underwear. And I so I like to use those overnight on my heavier period flow days, having that backup of a cloth pad or just using the cloth pad alone. Kind of makes it so I don't have to worry about my cup leaking or you know changing a tampon but if you choose uh, disposable pads I would be careful about chafing you would definitely want to grab some body lubricant like body glide put it over your thighs and pelvis so that if you are moving around in them or you know sweat a little bit it, it could chafe you so be careful about disposables for sure
0: Oh yeah, that is a a great thought. I didn't even think about that possibility. Since we kind of talked a little bit about the disposal of the menstrual fluid, um, one question that I had from a listener before we started the conversation was if you can empty the menstrual cups in a composting toilet. So I think this question came up because they were living in like a van or an RV or something, and they have a composting toilet, but they couldn't really find a lot of answers about if it's okay in that situation?
1: That is a great question. And it is something that I haven't found an actual, like, this is the answer, this is the way for because there's no, you know, there's no period law out there and different companies will say different things. So if you are talking about like, um, one of those big trailhead composting toilets, then you should be fine. From what I've found, there's nothing against dumping your period blood into a giant composting toilet. If though you have if you're like hashtag van life and you have your own composting toilet in your van, I think it would depend on the type of toilet that you buy, the type of system that you have, how big it is, how often you have to clean it out. And I don't have an answer for that. But you know, the only way that we kind of need this data. Not a lot of people are talking about <laughs> dumping that dumping your period blood into toilets. So if you're willing to take one for the team and try it out and then, you know, spread the word on what works for you, we really do need to know because a lot of people have these questions of where can my blood go? Where can it not? And if we could just share that knowledge with each other, it'll make it easier for the whole population.
0: Yeah, no, it really will. And maybe also since there's different types of composting toilets people will have in their rigs, you can also... Reach out to that company because they'll, they might be able to tell you. I can't guarantee that, but I would guess they would understand the system obviously very well. So they might be able to give you some kind of yay or nay in that route too.
1: Totally. And if, if if they don't know the answer, that's really good for them to know that people are asking like, hey, can I put my period blood in your toilet? The more people that ask them, the more they're going to, first of all, know that it's a normal thing to consider. And two, they'll consider that in their future, like marketing and um, like user manuals so that people actually can find the answer with their product instead of, you know, going down the Google rabbit hole. <laughs>
0: Because sometimes the things you find on the internet, you're like, is that real? Totally. (laughs) So having like a legitimate resource would be really helpful. So I'm not sure if that question got us off track at all in your in your depths you were explaining, but what were the other topics that you'd like to explore?
1: Let's talk about building a period kit. So you want to organize some sort of kit, little bag type thing that will come with you on your backcountry adventures to keep you comfortable and clean. So no matter which of those methods you choose, whether you're team cup, tampon, period panties, pads, you can put together a period kit for when you're outdoors. And again, to keep it lower waist, I would recommend something like a stasher bag or a mini Tupperware or some other reusable container so that you don't have to use 100 disposable baggies every time you go outside. If you opt for disposable items like tampons, then you're going to want two baggies of whatever sort to divide your used and your unused supplies. One of these bags will be used as a trash bag for your used tampons or pads. And you might choose an opaque bag or you might cover it with duct tape so that you don't see the contents, that's personal preference. You might also choose to, again, add some sort of odor absorbing material like baking soda, coffee grounds, crushed aspirin tea bags. And then when you get back from your trip, you will just dump this entire trash bag into the trash. Your second bag is going to be for supplies like fresh toilet paper, fresh pads or tampons, and maybe some hand sanitizer. If you choose to use a cup in the backcountry, then your period kit might consist of that supply baggie of toilet paper, hand sanitizer, um, maybe a little squeeze bottle of biodegradable soap, and then you'll want an extra bag to hold your cup or your period panties when you're no longer using it. So that's your, basically your period kit just needs two things. You need your supplies and then you need your carry out with you bag. They do sell pre-made packs, um, period packs. There's something called a dot pack, P-A-C. I think one is called Animosa. And these are kits that are good for folks who don't want to find all these pieces themselves. So you can just buy it. It's usually waterproof and comes with everything you need for a really easy sanitary experience. And they'll have larger and smaller sizes based on how long your adventure is. So you can choose. You can either assemble your own period kit or you can purchase one that's pre-made based on how long your trip is. But either way, you're gonna have your supplies and your sanitation and some way to carry your stuff out with you.
0: Yeah, I'll put a couple of links in the show notes. So if you are wanting to look at any of those products mentioned, then you can kind of check those out. And one thing that I found that works relatively well, which I also mentioned actually in the dog episode because it's useful for dog poop carrying too. They're called wet bags for diapers and they make them in a bunch of different sizes. So you can get like little ones that would just be for one diaper. But I found that those work well because they can hold wet contents and they seal the smell when it's closed and then you can wash them when you're done so I like to use those for any type of like menstrual product that I'm carrying out because it also if you're worried about people seeing what's inside they have fun designs and stuff too so it just looks like a little almost like a makeup bag kind of thing so that's was a fun yeah
1: great tip I love it you've
0: already provided a lot of different resources <laughs> for folks on this topic but as we kind of like wrap things up are there other resources that you would direct people towards or especially I would say resources for people that maybe work in a group setting that they don't experience a menstrual cycle themselves, but maybe want more knowledge on talking about these things or having the products available if they're guiding a trip or something like that?
1: Yeah, so I would say you need to get comfortable with the fact that half of us are going to have periods in the outdoors if we are outdoors people. And like I said earlier, every single outdoors person has had some experience with Pee pooper periods and there's no shame in some sort of accidental mishap. And that said, practicing using your kit and your supplies at home can relieve a lot of stress when you're out in the backcountry. And just knowing, like, you know, if there's a group packing list and there are people who don't get periods as a part of your outdoors group, having your having like, you know, period kit on the packing list is enough to maybe plant the seed in their mind, like, oh yeah, that's the thing. I don't have to think about it because I don't get periods, but some of the people I'll be traveling with do. So I think a lot of what you can do to kind of make people without periods think more about our needs and um, and our comfort is to just you know treat don't hide it, don't neglect it, don't suppress it. Just accept it as a part of the plan ahead and prepare process. Having that list of supplies that you uh, need to keep in your period kit can be a part of your you know trip planning documents when you're out shopping with other people for supplies, not trying to not have any shame or embarrassment around getting those supplies is good. They'll probably put together what it's for. <laughs> going through when you're going through your gear check with your team, having like that mental and visual check of everything you need to stay comfortable and clean can really put in their head that oh yeah, this is a normal experience. This is something that we should think about. I really do think that guides and outfitters need to be putting these in, putting tips about managing periods in whatever environment they're serving in. They need to put those in like their accessible documents and you know trip trip planning documents and orientation safety talks the more that we can talk about it in a group setting the more that people are going to feel welcome and not singled out if you're a guide you'd never want to announce to a group hey this person's on their period so they're going to go over there to take care of whatever needs to be done or hey this person needs the the menstrual supplies so if you need them go find them from them like don't single out somebody that just is ostracizing and can make people feel more shame around something that they don't need to feel shame for. So if you are a group leader, a group guide, even if you don't experience periods yourself, try and normalize the conversation. Include it in your safety talks and your trip orientation so that people can realize this is a thing and there's no no need to keep it secret. As for extra resources and being comfortable in your environment, I would familiarize yourself with the Leave No Trace principles. I believe they do have a good amount of information about having periods in the outdoors on the Leave No Trace website, keeping in mind what environment you are in. So doing some research before, whether you're on national forest land or national park land or certain areas are going to have certain guidelines especially when it comes to things like waste and cat holes and even bears there's zero evidence showing that bears are attracted to menstrual fluid like that that is not a proven thing at all but to practice responsible backcountry skills you can treat your used menstrual products as smellable items and when you're in bear country you're going to store any of your smellable items in a bear proof container or a bear hang so your toothpaste your lip balm your food And your trash baggie of tampons that, again, you can make opaque so that nobody has to look at them. That can all go in your bear storage if you're in bear country. So please familiarize yourself with where you're going. Familiarize yourself with Leave No Trace. And if you follow those guidelines, then you are well on your way to being a steward of your environment while having your period. And
0: I'll include links to the information Leave No Trace has on their website in the show notes as well. And as anyone that has a menstrual cycle is well aware that it's not just about the the bleeding. There's a lot of other things that are going on in your body at that time. And that's kind of your main focus with Hormone Hacker. So do you want to talk a little bit more about what people can learn from you and the resources you have available?
1: Yeah, I have so many blog posts and social media posts and my courses about this. So you as a cycling being as somebody who experiences menstrual cycles, Your hormone levels are changing every day. You have this beautiful choreography of estrogen and progesterone and other hormones that make you feel and think and behave differently depending on where you are in those hormonal fluctuations. So the way that you perform in your sport on like the fifth day of your menstrual cycle might look totally different than on your 25th day of your cycle. And the way that you think about yourself and the way that you think about your outdoor sport and the way you make decisions can change. So I like cannot get enough of teaching people how they can use their menstrual cycle to help them elevate their performance and their confidence and their comfort in their outdoor sport. So I would highly recommend going to the hormonehacker.com, clicking on blog, and you can get a lot of free information there about how you can learn about what's going on hormonally throughout an entire cycle how each of the four phases of your menstrual cycle can give you different benefits and powers based on whatever your sport is um, and also just knowing you know, when your period's coming, and when you can expect to feel certain ways, and when you can expect to have an easier time recovering from your outdoor sport, or you might need more recovery at certain times. So you are not a medical mystery, you can decode your own cycle, you can decode your body and know how to feel your best each day of your cycle.
0: That's awesome. I will definitely be checking those resources out. And I'll put a link to your website in the show notes as well. But are you at Hormone Hacker on Instagram?
1: hmm I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Hormone Hacker. Website is thehormonehacker.com. I have some freebies up there, too, if you're into cycle syncing. We didn't really mention that, but something I love to practice is cycle syncing, where I'm looking at where I am in my menstrual cycle. And then maybe I can keep that in mind when I'm choosing where I'm going to go recreate outside, what I'm going to eat on the trail, how much recovery I need. So if you want to get started on that, I have a free resource there. And uh, I will be coming out with some new programs this winter, but for now I have a couple self-paced courses that you can take there's a master a master class called period power for outdoor athletes that will get you started on elevating your outdoor sport based on using your menstrual cycle
0: are there other any other things that you wanted to kind of like add at the end here
1: If you get anything out of this listening to this podcast episode, I would challenge you to just reframe the way that you think about your period. If you think about it in a positive manner, that will reflect in your comfort and your confidence when you're outside.
0: It is a natural thing. And like you said, 50% of us experience it. So removing that stigma and maybe feeling like an uplifting attitude towards like the wonders of the human body can be really positive. So thank you so much for sharing all that information. And there's so many other things we could talk about, but I feel like we covered a lot of good topics.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk about all this.
0: So I just want to say thank you again to Angie for taking the time to share all of that super useful, great information. I learned a lot about different menstrual items, and even items to help people pee outside. So I'm excited to look into a lot of these different products. And like I already mentioned, I will include links to pretty much everything we mentioned in the episode in the show notes. Once you have a chance and you want to look into those things, just hop down there and check those out. I will also be including links to Angie's website, thehormonehacker.com, and you can follow her on Instagram and other social media at hormonehacker. So thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can still find me on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book. Follow there for daily updates, other educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with the shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.